The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome, uh, welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I am Dude Two, Joe. And we have a fun and exciting episode uh, for you guys this week. In fact, this is sort of a, you can either call it a prelude or the first official episode of our spooky season. I know it's not october yet but we're we're having fun regardless we're kickstarting it early but before we get to the double feature in question do two joe how you doing i'm okay i'm all right um all just, right. you know we're, i i i was listening to a couple of upcoming episodes because we recorded them a long time ago so re-listening to stories mm-hmm. that we had told uh, you guys are going to get to listen to that in October, because um, uh, we got a couple of like really big episodes in October uh, that feature more than two movies. Spoiler alert! But um, you know, so it's always fun to like re-listen to that stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I'm I'm all right. I what did I do? Well, we we talked about Streets of Fire last week. Walter Hill yeah. film, which I really loved, and I decided I wanted to see more. I want to see more Walter Hill movies, and I I crossed off a major blind movie blind spot. Uh, the the movie The Warriors. I finally watched it. Um, it's uh, I, I definitely see why it's, it's such a beloved um movie. It's um. Mm-hmm. You know, Streets of Fire is definitely the more, like, poppy, like, fun, uh, you know, no. Though, The Warriors, I I wouldn't call it exactly like, oh, this is, like, the scariest, like, there's some parts where you're like, oh, boy, ah! But it's, you know, you could see that they are from the (laughs) same, it's from the same, same director, uh, you know, very much like the machismo, all the gangs, um, in the movie. Love. You know, really good time, and also kind of a similar movie to the, to Streets of Fire in that it's like it's like the Odyssey, basically. It's it's a journey. They gotta, mm-hmm. you know, they gotta get get somewhere. But, um, you know, I'm. It, it's hard to say what else has been going because I've been meaning to re- to watch The Exorcist on 4K because I just got that on 4K. Haven't had time to do that. Uh, like whenever I do get time, I'm like, I'm ready to go to sleep and <laughs> yeah, uh, ain't, ain't, ain't that the breaks. It's like, Oh, I got to do this. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it sucks. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of releases in October that I'm looking forward to as far as like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, discs and such like bunch of universal monsters are getting individual 4k. So I'm going to finally pick those up. 
Praise next month as well. I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right? That's next month. Yeah, mm-hmm. Praise next month. Um, and uh, I'm also obviously the the Todd Browning set. I'm very excited about that. It's like the middle of next month, so got to wait a little bit on that. But that's uh, that's all well and good. Um, but how how have you been? Because I talking to I I have, I I will admit before I'm gonna let you fit. I've been concerned. I've okay. been concerned. <laughs> well, th- thank you. Um, <laughs> so, as long as someone is, that's fine. Um, no, today, today's just been a lot. Admittedly, um, they're tearing the pa- the old pavement off my road, so they're repaving it. So there's just a lot of construction going on. And uh, at one point today, uh, I woke because well, I've been waking up later than normal lately and it's been bugging me so i'm like trying to work with that but i just haven't really found a a time to try to adjust things and uh so like today i woke up at about noon which is better than how it's been lately and uh immediately it's like oh i gotta do this 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 and i'm like shit okay Uh, (laughs) let's uh let's try to get all this done and I haven't. I didn't even finish watching our our second movie uh, until this morning. Well, until I woke up, mm. and then even then, I had to like kept. I had to keep like cutting it off because like there was something I had to do or something going right. on. Like, and uh, like at one point, my uh, my dog just kept barking and barking and howling, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And of course, she had to go out, so I took her out, and then I came back in. And then she started doing it again. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, some old lady like that I'm not familiar with, like not a neighbor or anything, but an older lady just starts ringing my doorbell. And I'm like, listen, I don't mean to be a rude neighbor, but I, I am not comfortable just opening the door randomly for people. And uh, so I just stayed upstairs. And then I was like, you know, she'll get tired and she'll go away. But it, was, it lasted for, like, maybe a minute and a half of her just ringing my doorbell. Mm. Like, she'd be going, ding, 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 or ding, ding. And then eventually, like, a couple seconds later, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> so it just kept persisting. Um, so, yeah, rude neighbor on my end. But at the same time, I just didn't want to. I had too much going on. I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that was, today's just been kind of a wild day. And so now, cause this is just another thing that I got to do today is record this episode that we're releasing this week. I think this is really the, f- ultimately the first time I felt like the, like, cause we've been delayed for all these episodes and where I feel like I'm at, like, Oh shit, I gotta do this, this, and this. Um, I don't get, I don't get a second to like process anything. And so it's it's a it's a bit I'm a bit on edge at the moment, but I should be okay at the end of the day. Um, and uh, but I do like I I still got to listen to because I had we have our big uh, our two big Halloween episodes that we got coming out. I still got to listen. That's on my that's my fault because I just haven't gotten around to listening to it. But uh, so that's all on my plate right now, and it's just it's it's a lot. But outside of that, uh, I've been trying to 
catch a few newer movies that I just didn't watch initially. Um, though this is a this this is a fun story for uh, this time of year. Uh, it's a weird story, but it's a fun story. So periodically, I'll have conversations with my mom about how I don't think she likes horror movies. <laughs> Which there's absolutely like if you've seen a bunch and you're just not feeling it, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to like horror. You don't have to be a horror fan. But my mother, like, anytime she watches a horror movie, um, that's if, if it's not a horror comedy or a thriller, then she doesn't care. She's like, I don't find it scary. Or I don't I don't find it interesting. And I'm like, okay, so you don't like horror. And she's like, but I, but I want to like horror. I want to. And I'm like, but you can't. It's just a natural thing about you. You just don't like it. It's okay. It's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And so we'll have this conversation periodically, but it's like maybe once every couple of months that we'll talk about this. And recently, and whenever like, you know, someone at her work will tell her about a movie she has to watch, she'll ask me about it. And so uh, someone at her work told her to watch Talk to Me, which is a big horror movie right now from the Rocka Rocka guys from YouTube. And, uh, She's like, oh, it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. You got to totally watch it. So my mom's like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And so she asks me about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to see that one. And uh, that was the, the information that I had. And so she watched it one evening when I was at work. And then I uh, came home and she was like, I watched the movie. And I'm like, oh, what would you think? She's like, eh, <laughs> it didn't really do anything for me. And I'm like, because you don't like horror. And she's like, but I want to. <laughs> I want to. And it's like, ma, you don't, like, don't force yourself to like something you don't like. It's okay. You know, it's perfectly fine. And she, uh, but she was adamant about it. She's like, I, I want to be, I want to be a horror fan. And it's like, you don't have to be. Um, and then at one point she goes, can I watch you watch the movie? <laughs> and I'm like, huh? She's like, yeah, I, can, I, can I just see, like, how you gauge with it? And I'm like, sure, if you, I guess. So uh, we stayed, we're, we're in my room. She's sitting uh, on the foot of my bed. I'm sitting in my chair that I'm in right now. We're watching the movie on my TV. I'm having a good time with it. I, I'm, I liked it a lot. And uh, the whole time, like, periodically I would turn and look at her and she would just be like, leaning over and staring at me <laughs> that's probably scarier than what I, I haven't seen the movie but it's probably that's probably scarier than the movie it's a little unnerving this is very awkward but she she apparently was she was able to have a better time with it i think she just wanted to to, to live the movie vicariously through me <laughs> she she wanted to watch it from someone who would probably enjoy its eyes maybe um, but it didn't change her opinion on it, so I don't. I, I don't know. Like again, if you if you've watched like she like we talked about this all the time. Like you know, there was some movies that she watched when she was younger that that bu that bugged her, like the movie Phantasm, uh, where it's like this older guy that has this like glass ball or like this metal ball that has like a little spiky thing on it, and he like levitates it at people and stuff. I've never seen it, but apparently that was a movie that scared my mom. Um, but she likes thrillers. She likes horror comedies, like like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. She likes that one, which is a, you know it's a funny movie. She loves Cabin in the I, Woods. This I know. I like, know this about your mother. She, 
she loves Cabin in the Woods, which is funny because it's like a love letter to horror, but she likes that it's funny. So, because she she loves comedies, that's her big thing. She's a big fan of comedies, and so she'll watch those all day, every day. Um, and then when it comes to like, because like anytime we would talk, I'd be like, so what? What? What do you? What? What? What do you look for with a horror movie? She's like, well, I need to be scared. I'm like. Okay, so if that doesn't happen, then what's what's plan B? Then she's like, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, that, that's because because being scared emotion like as an emotion is in a way kind of hard, especially these days with like yeah. dis, like how desensitized everybody is. You know, you look at a lot of yeah tragedies that's happened in history, and it, it just makes sense that like you know werewolves and vampires aren't really that scary anymore but if you add a heavy level of entertainment value that could also help too but that's not to say that that's all horror, horror movies are good for but um you know it, it's 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 hard to find that point to like actually give someone the chills so they have like a okay as long as they're because i remember i think i forget who said it but it was like someone was saying you know if I don't scare them, fine. But as long as I entertain them, that's good. Mm. So, but I also notice that I feel like a lot of horror movies these days are really leaning into like existentialism and you know trauma and mental health, and because that's stuff that you know I think everybody deals with, but are just too scared to talk about. Yeah. And then when they see a movie that confronts them with it, like oh shit, <laughs> like talk to me kind of confronted me with that a little okay. bit um, with some of the stuff that they were talking about in that one. Um, and so I'm like. I relate so much <laughs> to this main character. Everything she's going through, for the most part, um, I relate. I relate pretty much with it, and so it's stuff like that. When you can relate with a horror movie, that's when it's scary. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, I see myself. Oh God, stop doing that! <laughs> Don't do that, please. Um, it kind of reminded me of the movie Smile that came out like last year. It had, I think like, the very big like. Camp marketing campaign that everybody was talking yeah, about. Yeah, people were like in the stands, like smiling to camera at like football or baseball game, baseball games. But uh, no, I liked the movie. It was just the, the the experience in which I took it in was was interesting. Let's say, but you know, I guess the message to, to learn is to to learn here is that listen, you don't have to like something. You, you don't. If you don't like horror, that's fine. As long as it's like you've actually like experienced it a little bit. Like if you just watched one slasher movie and just said, "No, nah, I'm I'm just gonna cut off horror forever." I'm like, "Come on, put put, put get, there's a, there's more flavors out there." I mean, listen, like speaking as myself, like my big flavor is seventy minute movies where Boris Karloff and or Bela Lugosi show up, and it's it's a lot more like implied stuff. Or, or yeah. just more like, because we're going to talk about that uh, next week, spoiler alert, with, with those kinds <laughs> of movies, because they're not, the movies next week are definitely not like jump out of your pants, like scary. Like, they do have, like not that. They do have another value that I, I think that some of these, the movies that we're talking about this week also kind of have. Mood. Um, so, like my, my flavor... It, I, it's, I, I don't know. I like all kinds of flavors. Honestly. I mean, you like. I, wa- you like <laughs> I watch. Yeah. <laughs> I watch so many the, different kinds of things, and I'm of like, oh. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
But it's funny because, like, my sister and my mom are similar in that, like, my sister will watch horror movies, but not, like, at night. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's, she's easily scared. Right. Whereas my mom will just watch them whenever. Like, watching a horror movie with my parents could be excruciating because, like, I'm trying to, like, enjoy it. And they're just going, ugh, that's so dumb. Why would you do that? No, like, oh, they're, they're like, cinema sinsing or, like, questioning the life. Yeah. Like, it's like, why do they, why would they, go, like, why would they go down the stairs? It's like, because the movie needs to go on. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Like and I've always I've always held the belief that when you're scared you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Like to edit like like I think people tend to for tend to forget like emotions run deep when you're scared. You're just like oh god, what am I doing? <laughs> I don't know it's like anytime I see like a bug and I'm freaking out I'm like oh god there's a bug in here and then I go or a spider specifically and then I'm like I need to find the spider though so that I can not have this nightmare happening so it's like why are you looking for the spider <laughs> like because it's in here still <laughs> um but no again it doesn't matter you don't you don't have to like it if you don't if it's not your thing and that's fine um so well, but we'll, i guarantee you we'll have that conversation again at some point in the future but um speaking of horror movies you know, we've talked about a handful of, of icons in the in the horror genre. Like, we did a couple episodes on Wes Craven, for example, and we got maybe another one coming up, um, <laughs> which is very exciting. Um, and uh, we've, we've talked about all kinds of different great classic horror movies. Um, and today, we are, to, to, to kick off the the October, I almost want to, I almost, I'm almost afraid to use the word Halloween, because I don't want to, like misinter i don't want to put out misinformation people be like halloween they're talking about john carpenter oh my god does that mean no we're not talking about halloween right no, now no <laughs> no uh, though it, it's we do we do plan on talking about halloween at some point we have yes. preparing for that that i think we're very very excited about um when that mm -hmm. comes down but we want to save it but it's also it's still kind of um amazing that it's it's, tricky. it's kind of amazing it's taken us almost 140 episodes to talk about a john carpenter uh, directed movie. I guess I spilled it, the beans. John Carpenter. Well, I already, I already said, I already okay, said it. I'm too, sorry. So, my, my brain, yeah, so, so. brain fart. <laughs> it's okay. I, I spoiled it for myself. It's, as well. it's okay. Um, but like, even when I was doing the little teaser for today, like this, we're, we're talking about John Carpenter today. I, I used the word Halloween. I'm like, oh god, someone's gonna be like Halloween. No, <laughs> guys, we wouldn't. I don't listen. Like, because I'll watch. I've watched Halloween in all parts of the year admittedly mm -hmm. it's Same. that kind of movie i mean it's a special but we would never talk about it on this show outside of october it just no that's no um but listen like and there's a lot of there's a bunch of john carpenter movies that i still need to see um that are out there Same. Uh, yeah but the ones that i have seen i've at least really enjoyed every single one that i've seen like I like the fog. <laughs> I have the 4K. <laughs> there needs should there be more ghost pirates? Yes, but is it still foggy? And are there ghost pirates? <laughs> also, yes. It's, it's got Jamie Lee and her mom. Yes, it's got a twofer right there. Um, there's that. I mean, uh, Star um, Starman. Uh, Karen yeah. Allen, uh, Jeff Bridges is great. Karen Allen also fantastic in that movie. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of them. And then one of I know you and I both love. They live. Uh, yeah, that's a really they good live. 
Roddy Piper. Is probably my favorite one. It is just, it's so good. I think, I think I came to the, because you were kind of, I've seen maybe a handful of John Carpenter movies. And then recently, within the last three years, especially like doing the show, um, I know you were getting into more John Carpenter and you were watching more stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll check out some more stuff. And I remember you watched They Live and you were telling me about it. And so I watched it. And I think I came to the conclusion that this might be a hot take, but I love when John Carpenter does does more goofy things, like goofy goofy action, um... like like goofy action movies, because it's it's not what you it's not what you immediately think about with him. Obviously, cause you think about Halloween um, and a lot of his horror efforts, and he he's I mean he's one of the masters of horror for a reason. I mean he's he's made a name for himself in that, and it's a it's a it's a he, his work in that genre is incredible. And we're talking about one of his most iconic ones in our second half, but um, I like when he does like the sort of goofier action movies. I I liken him a lot. Like if I was going to pick like a modern director that I think about as like a modern John Carpenter, I think of James Gunn a lot. Mm. I feel like I feel like they have a sort of similar approach to how they're doing things and the stories they're telling, and they're both you know versed in the horror genre. And our first movie makes me think of obviously the Suicide Squad, you know, and I mean, and Kurt Russell was Star Lord's dad. Yeah. So I'm I I wouldn't be surprised if John Carpenter was uh, somewhat of an influence on on James Gunn in, in some in some way. But I think about him a lot. So like, if you're a James Gunn fan, check out John Carpenter if you haven't already. Trust me. Um, that's my way of getting the younger audience. Come on, guys. well, you know what? What I, I almost like going back to, I, I almost like in Halloween to like, like the the canonical like like Star Wars, where there are people like with horror, like with Star Wars. I remember Roger Ebert saying, "There's a generation of kids where the oldest movie they've seen is Star Wars," and I feel like for horror, it's it's like it's Halloween. I feel like it. Yeah, yeah, I which can see it, that. and that's not a critic yeah. like cause it just shows you that's it's still such a great movie, but also one of those like title that sticks around um mm. but it makes me th- it, yeah. it makes me think of um i don't know if you saw that article that came out today about martin scorsese yes. um it makes me think because he was like there's gonna be kids that you know only ever watch like the superhero like movies or the comic book movies and that's they just assume all movies are like that and there's some truth to that a little bit <laughs> yeah th- there is like and there are people who are mad, like not to derail this whole. But there are people who are mad about that. <laughs> like geek, people are mad about these everything. people. Geek culture won, unfortunately. <laughs> at what cost? <laughs> like uh, there was a point. It's like oh, geek. It was it was exciting. Like oh, geek culture is like coming into coming into the forefront, and people are you know making more stuff. And then it's like now it's just too much. <laughs> it's uh, you know how bad it is. I'm about to I'm about to quote a Marvel movie to describe how bad this is. Did we just lose? Oh boy! <laughs> and you know something? We lost. We lost. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're not. We're the Avengers, not the pre-Avengers. <laughs> the price of movie tickets are high, but it's the price that most people are not willing to pay. See, this is bad. <laughs> and I mean, listen. You got two. You got the the two like lead characters of the MCU are off doing other things now. They're like, we're done now. Yeah, we don't need to go back. We're good. But away from away from that, 
Um, <laughs> we're um, John Carpenter. John Carpenter. So this one, uh, this movie is 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 sort of. I feel like in some ways, like the the marketing for it and some of the the aesthetics of it are more iconic than the movie itself. Um, yeah, I can know, see that, and that's not a criticism. It's just like because I think about all sorts of things. But our first movie, our first movie. This was 1981. This mm-hmm. is Escape from New York. Doom, 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 doom. Which, if you think about it, aren't we all trying to escape from New York sometimes? Uh, listen, that's just me whenever I'm on, like, <laughs> I'm at uh, New Jersey Transit at, like, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm in a whole room of people, and we're all waiting for, for the for the um, the Jersey Coastline train to come up, and we're all just a mad dash trying to get to that platform. <laughs> That that was me on the last time I was in New York City. That was me uh, at the Microsoft store on Fifth Avenue when my friend Eric was playing Fortnite uh, on a computer, and I was like, oh, "My stomach hurts," and I was like, "I want to leave now, guys." Oh, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm sorry, dude. Oh yeah, this I, I have a history of getting sick on vacations. <laughs> I'm glad, the only thing I'm glad is at least it's not just me that this has happened. <laughs> I mean, you were kind of a part of that vacation. Oh, so. shit. shit. Damn it. <laughs> so, I right. mean, well, moving man, on. For, uh, escape from it, New York. I will, I will say, I will say one more thing. Yeah, sure. In fairness, um, I it was New York in August. It was blistering, blistering hot. It's so bad. And I just, I you know, I, I don't take care of myself all that well, as I should. And so it was bound to happen. But, uh. Yeah, but yeah, Escape from New York. Um, not 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 in any way like that. Uh, <laughs> this is a little bit different, though. I feel like I was saying this to you when we were watching it. The premise of this movie feels like I've. It's like maybe not as intense as Die Hard, but I feel like I've seen maybe because I just read a lot of comics. But I feel like I've seen that sort of premise a lot in different things, where it's like this this iconic location the specific spot in this iconic location or the whole thing is locked off and is like a prison state and uh someone has to go in and like rescue someone or pull someone out um and and it's it's there's no question that a lot of those things most likely got inspiration from this i feel like yeah i agree for sure i'm thinking about um also just the grim virtues of billy and mandy the great character of hostel gato (laughs) hostel gato the the grandson of Snake Plissken, <laughs> who's ba- yeah basically like a Snake Plissken clone, um, but like this movie, it feels like it's it's a um, it feels like a Saturday morning premise because because mm. it's just it's so extreme. Uh, it's got GI Joe vibes a little bit. It's got a little bit of GI Joe, like that it, Larry Hama GI Joe like cartoon sort of vibe. Um. I think there was a there was an episode of Gargoyles where like the future was like really bleak, so I think about like mm. and because like obviously it's really bleak in this movie. If if you have the island of Manhattan as a supermax prison, <laughs> it's shut off. They actually did this premise for a recent Ninja Turtles comic that's been getting a lot of headway. The Last Ronin. Do you hear about this? I vaguely, but I didn't know this was the premise though. It's like um, it's set in the future, and Michelangelo is the only surviving turtle because the other ones died, and he's like old and grizzled, and he like uses their weapons and stuff, and he has to go into New York City, which is like 
locked off. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I know this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, like, this movie, Escape from New York, um, we have Snake Plissken, our main character, played by Kurt Russell, who's who's been on our show a couple of times now. Um, he this this is as much a a John Carpenter tribute as it is a Kurt Russell one because he's in both of these movies. Well, I, I you know and people like people talk about like actor director like duos sometimes. There's obviously there's De Niro and Scorsese, uh, mm-hmm. DiCaprio or DiCaprio and Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> uh, I think I think it was like Sersha Ronan and uh, and Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig, um, Doug, Doug Jones and Guillermo del Toro, and I think. Kurt Russell and um, John Carpenter, uh, and John Carpenter is, is, an, is another really, really good one. And I think this is this is a good one because also this should be noted. They worked together before this, but it was for a TV Elvis t- made for TV movie. So t- t- the Austin Butler before Austin Butler. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I think wasn't it just called Elvis, too? It was just called. Yeah, it was just called Elvis. Yeah. Yeah, so it literally is like the Austin Butler uh, Baz Luhrmann before Austin Butler Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, I, I started. We're out- lost in a cloud. With <laughs> 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 too much array. Sorry. No, it's it, it, it's okay. Walt. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> Got escape from New York. Oh. <laughs> Oh, now see here, I just you gotta know, find the president of the United States Kurt, of America. Kurt Russell, <laughs> Kurt Russell, like part of his career is like using or like be, playing out like problematic, iconic American figures. He's very known for his John <laughs> Wayne, impre- like John Wayne mm-hmm. impression, and he's played Elvis. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Bravo! <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's pretty good, and he pull, he's he's able to pull it off. Um, and he's so oh, good. Yeah, yeah. like this is what he's he's so great in this movie. But I also giggle because I'm like, that's the computer who wore tennis shoes. <laughs> we all started somewhere. It's like it's like when we watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine, we see Ryan Gosling as as uh, K, I think is his name, K or Joe, and uh, K or Joe, and it, you look like a good Joe. Um, and it's like, oh, hey, Mickey Mouse Club. Yep. <laughs> Young Hercules. <laughs> My boy. <laughs> well, listen, let's be honest. In that series, the only good Hercules. Yeah, yeah <laughs> at this point. Um, but yeah, like, I love stories like this. Like, you got this, like, badass uh, Snake Plissken. They have them. just Just the name Snake Plissken. Like, uh, like come on. It's it, badass. It's so good. But basically, they, ha- they, have, sna- they have Snake Plissken, okay? And um, uh, the police commissioner, uh, played by returnee on our show, Lee Van Cleef. Joey's uh, boy. My guy. Great voice. <laughs> I call him Joey's uh, boy. And his one earring. Um, <laughs> but he's Pliskin. he's like, hey, hey, Fliskin, we'll, we'll, you know, uh, pardon you for your crimes. You know, full pardon. But you have to go in and save the president. And the president, what was funny, like, because the president is played by Donald Pleasance, and when when I think of Donald Pleasance, I think of, yo, know, I think Dr. No. Not America. Not America, yeah. Um, or, <laughs> or uh, you know, obviously Loomis and Halloween, 
Um, and it made me think of like I like I like when directors are like have to have someone playing the president, and they don't just immediately cast someone that looks like they would play the president. So like like mm-hmm. like Jack Nicholson, the president, and Mars Attacks. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah. it's just Jack Nicholson just being Jack Nicholson. Like we need to yes. take charge. <laughs> so I, I I liked that Donald Pleasance was the president in this. Is my point, I guess. It's just, it's 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 kind of funny. It's kind of funny, but it's it's entertaining. I, I it's again I like I I much prefer weird looking president or people that you wouldn't expect to be president in a movie versus like Joe Schmo Republican looking dude playing <laughs> playing the president. That we need to save this guy with his like quaffed hair. Like no, nah, Donald Pleasance. That's what I want. <laughs> Even though Donald Pleasance isn't exactly uh, the best guy in this movie, either. No, that's but again, it makes it work so much better. But also um, with this movie, there's a time limit set because they got little little artery bombs in uh, in Snake Plissken's, uh, you know, arteries. <laughs> Where else would you put artery bombs? Uh, several places. I mean, there's little bombs. You can put them in a lot of places. I'm going to put it inside of someone's eye. They're just like, oh god. That, that'd be really unpleasant. That'd be really, really unpleasant. unpleasant. <laughs> but yes, that's Suicide the Squad. Origin story, that's the origin story of Snake Plissken, why he's missing an eye. You know what? That's Much better than Nick Fury. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there we go again with Marvel. See, guys, Marvel's taking over the world. You don't have to worry about what Scorsese says. We're yeah. bringing it up. <laughs> too often Woo! but um but yeah there's so, so that's sort of that time limit and uh much of the movie is just is is him going through the basically the ruins um of new york there's obviously people there uh it's a lot of it is controlled by uh the duke played by uh isaac hayes so good icon isaac hayes so good um and along the way there are different like characters that he meets you got cabby of course uh, played by Ernest Borgnine, Mer- Mermaid Man himself. Evil. Uh, who who's the uh, Are you, Adrian Barbo? A- Adrian Barbo, yes. Which it's it's so funny to think because I I feel like I've watched so many movies recently and she's just been in it and I'm like woo I get I, I just yeah. it's just exciting now I'm like where why isn't Adrian Barbo in this movie I hate it now like I'm watching some <laughs> random other movie I'm like where is she. This sucks. Yeah, because I was I was watching Swamp Thing uh, recently. And she's in that. Too, and I'm just, yeah, yes. Um, and then uh, of course, uh, legend Harry Dean Stanton as Brain, as Brain, or Harold. <laughs> Don't call me Harold. Uh, but like, like the plot is like is like very serviceable. It's fine, but you're really there for those for those colorful characters. And just sort of the the aesthetic, like the like the the production design is great. The matte paintings that, that they have for this and the miniature work for New York is beautiful. Oh yeah, Dean Cun- Dean Cundy. Would be I thought you said something said completely said. different. <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, Cundy, Cundy, Cundy. Yes, Cundy, Dean Cundy. Um, you know, looks movie looks great. You know, um, it, it also really shows up in our in both movies as well. Both, just both movies, yeah. So yeah, a lot of people getting a lot of action in both movies. Yeah. Um, but there's there's you know obviously them. Uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, just like other thing like the music 
I love the music so much. Uh, the main theme is so cool. Mm. The John Carpenter, just, I mean, again, the, multifaceted. The guy has made iconic scores. I like, I you know, not to go back to Halloween, but I, I do like that when they brought Halloween back at Universal with Blumhouse, that they were like, oh, let's have John Carpenter do the music. And so, like, he got to go full-fledged. And I feel like the music was my favorite thing of that whole series, honestly. Yeah. The music was yeah, yeah. so good. Um, so it's exciting whenever, you know, you see John Carpenter. Not that, you know, the score for the next one isn't very good, because it's amazing. But I... <laughs> that's a whole story that's, and a half the score, honestly, yeah. in the next one. But, um, no, the music is very good here. Uh, I think, I think um, my favorite aspect of just the music is just like the 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 quiet intensity of it you know what i mean like there's like you just like dun, 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 like like the, the the real like it's not like bombastic necessarily no it's like it's it's kind of slow moving but it's like it's moving towards some it's moving yeah. towards something yeah you know it's 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 kind of like snake plissken like especially because snake plissken uh is shot in the leg <laughs> and limps around for like half the movie s- 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 both these movies someone's getting shot in the leg <laughs> but he's like he's gonna get that job done yeah it's gonna take him a second and he's gonna it's gonna be like right on the edge it's like a mission impossible movie where it's just like they don't get rid of it until the nick of time mm-hmm but he's going to do it. He's going to get it done. Or else his head blows up. I mean, we're talking about a lot of like the the aesthetic. Like I love like the, the aesthetic choices are so weird because obviously everybody is just wearing what they have, what they can wear. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like like I like the clothing choices for, you know, obviously Snake Plissken just looks like an action figure. Yeah. Like, I love his boots great. and his whole, like, his pants being, like, incredibly tight. <laughs> his pants very, very tight, yes. It's like, like, um, like tear away, like, it, not tear away pants, but, like, it has, like, a camo stripe. It looks like it was torn or something. Um, uh, his eye patch, which I always thought, I always think it's funny, like, periodically you see, like, his eye patch, which is, like, pitch black, but every now and then it catches the light and you see there's, like, a like maybe a lens there or some kind of like fabric there so that he could see through both eyes. So it's, it's just one of those little things like in movies that you're like, you like, like you see, Oh, that's how they did it. Mm. And you always like seeing that. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, what was was I going to say? I like, um, I think the thing I think about the most every time I've watched this movie is the, uh, this is probably terrible, uh, follow up, but, uh, the logistics in making Manhattan a prison, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like, because yeah. it's it's huge and there's so many different people. Like, I feel like like um, Cabby as a character was just a Cabby before he was a prisoner or something. You know what I mean? Because uh, like because yeah. they 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 started uh, from the movie. They said the prison opened in what the late eighties, like eighty eight. It was eighty. 80- 88, yep, 88 and now to, we're in 1997, the far-off future. And, uh, oh, <sighs> it's 19, 1997, what a chilling year. Um, <laughs> but, like, Ernest Bortnine is always like, I've, uh, I've been a cabbie for 30 years in this city. And so I'm like, so, because I was talking to you when we were watching, obviously I was talking to you, I wasn't talking to anyone else. Um, <laughs> I was talking to you and I was like, you gotta wonder how terrible it is, like if you were just a resident of New York City while they were doing that. 
Like you just live there, and then all the all those people that just had to get like shooed out, like go, <laughs> we need this space, or even just like you know the amount because like you had you feel like you had they had to have done like a massive sweep of the entire city to make sure there wasn't like guns, there wasn't like you know tools they could use to escape or anything like right. that, and it's like they probably but it's at the same time like you go into the city, it's like they didn't care all that much, yeah, you know. And I guess it doesn't really matter because, truthfully, like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, we saw those dudes on the raft trying to get away and they just got shot. So, but I, 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 I like to think that there's the, the process that make that happen was just insane. <laughs> like, I feel like it had to have taken that time between 88 and 97, like that whole time period, just to like get the logistics down. <laughs> but also the cost. The cost. The cost of it. Yeah. Like you, you think about like how much this this police outfit like this has you know and they're stationed all around Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, all the equipment, all the pre- people that you have to pay. It that's a lot. It just <laughs> that's a lot to maintain. Uh, the the real estate in general. <laughs> just <laughs> well, but that's the other thing too is that this is Manhattan. Yeah, which is already an expe- It's an expensive place to be. And then you're just going to wall it off for a, a prison. Like, okay. <laughs> and then just transporting all those prisoners. I mean, granted, you know, they probably already had some maybe there. Like, people are like, all right, we're just going to arrest you because you're, you're, you're here anyway. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you're in prison. We're good. And because, like, they don't, they, I, they don't really, like, monitor a whole hell of a lot there because clearly they don't. But I was I was happy to see that the theater scene was still alive. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. Like, listen, you, as long as a little bit of that classic New York vibe still there. <laughs> I love it. Like, uh, like it's hell, but it's like, hey, <laughs> rejoice. Could you imagine the Arconia from Only Murders in the Building set in this version of New York? <laughs> Only Murders in the City. <laughs> You know what? I could see Martin Short as the brain. <laughs> that would, be, would just be kind of funny. That would be kind of funny, actually. But this is, like, as far as... Because New York City as a city, too, is obviously one of the most used locations. And, you know, I, th- I think about, like, this is one of the more unique interpretations of New York City on, on film that I can think of. It feels like... It feels like it set a, set a standard for how people view New York City. Yeah, in a in a sense, I know like because I and I was talking about this like John Carpenter was talking about different influences on this like the Watergate scandal for one. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, this was it's weird to think because it's an eighties movie, but like he was right thinking about this stuff in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because Death Wish, you know, which he did not agree with the the philosophies of that movie, but aesthetically. It it's it kind of was like okay I can kind of you know it, sort it of inf- informed of what yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like because like other than other than this like when I when you, when I think of New York City in cinema it's just New York City you know yeah. or like I sorry I guess like in uh, Superman it's Metropolis technically because there's like some shots or like even in the Dark Knight trilogy they use New York City for certain shots but. Um, it, it, it's just, it look, it's just such a different looking New York city and it, it makes me like it a little bit more because like, while it is cool to see like 
the more like sort of majesticness that New York City can represent in some movies. Like I think of a lot of like Christmas movies at New York City and just the the beauty of the snow coming into the city and you know the the magic of Christmas in the city. Even though it's a little bit nightmarish from what I've heard. I mean Joey's 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 witnessed this firsthand. So <laughs> I, I've been to the city many a time in in the holiday season. It can be chaotic as shit. So, so there's probably some truth to the representation here. Um, <laughs> nope. See now, what, what? See what would have been actually more truthful is if this movie had like a guy named Santa Claus, and you get your stuff from Santa Claus, <laughs> but he was just like one of those Salvation Army Santa Claus that just happened to be locked in at some point. Snake Plissken saves Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Pleasant's a Santa Claus. <laughs> no, actually, or we do pull like a French Connection. And he's an undercover cop. Oh, and, and he's right. dressed as Santa, which happened—that's the thing of the French. Or Gene Hackman's in like a Santa Claus suit, <laughs> and there's like a drug, like this drug bust, and he's like chasing, chasing a guy. <laughs> I, I'd watch that in a second, honestly. That sounds fun. <laughs> Just, oh, and you know, else this movie was missing too is like the masked characters in Times Square, <laughs> like the Elmo. <laughs> Did I, did I, I told I told you the story that I was not proposition. That's probably not the right word, but I was definitely like accosted by one of the. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I was I was walking down. The, this might have been. Not, I forget if this was like when I went when I was going to New York Comic Con. I forget what specifically, but I remember going in Times Square, and then they were all hanging out in front of the. The toys, the 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 Toys R Us, which is it's not there anymore, right? It's it is gone, gone. No, yeah. it's, it's well that that yeah, the big the big one is is long gone. It, it, yeah. It's kind of weird when you see it too, because it's like a McDonald's is there, and I think like a ga- like another like big depart like store is there now too. So oh. it's like it took took up a lot of space. <sighs> that place, it but wild. But anyway, yeah, it was nice. It was nice. I did get to go into it once before it was gone. I think so. That was nice. Um. And uh, I just remember, like, they came up, you're like, you want a picture? And I'm like, sure. But, of course, I don't know the... You don't know what, no. what they mean by that. Yeah, no. And so they're like, oh, like, they're they're sticking their hands out. And I'm like, uh, um, okay. So I gave them, like, a couple bucks, and then I left. <laughs> so I, 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 I followed suit. But I probably could have just walked away and not taken a picture at all. But I know now. <laughs> And now it's like the last couple of times I've seen like scantily clad ladies that you can like take pictures with, or at least notice that more. I've seen. Listen, I've seen more nudity in New York City just out and about than I think anywhere else. Now I'm thinking about it, and I don't know if there's like like a like a like a specific like leniency in a law or something, or they're just allowed to do it. I don't care. It's just people are allowed to just walk around with no shirt or no pants on. There's that one. There's that one dude that wears like like. A speedo and roller skates around Times Square, isn't there? That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it's just, it's, there's so many iconic like like aspects and individuals and things about New York City, um, but like, admittedly, like watching this movie, it doesn't feel like at times. Like, there's times I feel like I'm not in New York City, but I don't like. I'm not like disassociated from it at all. I mean, because it works because it's its own world. Yeah. You get enough of, like, the establishing, like, you have the Twin Towers, you have, like, a, a thing of, like, the, like a schematic thing, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And you have, you know, like, oh, little certain pinpoints, and a lot of it is, like, sets and stuff. Yeah. And... But, but it does create an atmosphere in a world, which, obviously, we know John Carpenter's a master of doing. 
And so I think the, the I'll probably talk about this a little bit with the next one too. The only thing that I've ever been somewhat, and this is just a me thing. The only thing I've ever been somewhat um, cri- uh, critical of John Carpenter is is uh, the pacing of certain things or like the because like I I'm so antsy and I, it's ADHD. It's not fun. So like like I'll like I'll sit and watch like uh, this movie or Halloween and there's a, there's a slow pace to them cause we're building towards something and, yeah. and there's not a lot of music at times. It's really is like a movie of actions and, and characters doing things. Um, but at the same time, it's not like I'm, I'm watching it and going like, Oh, this is so like, like there's definitely obviously incredibly exciting things and things to appreciate. And there's a lot of beautiful cinematography, but like, there's definitely times I'm sitting there and I'm like, let's keep going. <laughs> Right, right. So, admittedly, like uh, watching it this time, there was times I was nodding off a little bit, but I also just had a lot to do today, so that's on me. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, that's the only ever. It's only, it's only ever been uh, my one criticism of a lot of John Carpenter movies that I've seen. But there's been so many times I would watch those movies again when I'm in the mood for it, and I'd be having an amazing time watching Halloween. I'm loving it watching this, and I'm loving it. And so it's it really is like a matter of like where I'm at at the day, like my patience. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So this was this was uh, if I'm being completely honest, this was a bit of a more rougher experience watching this. Um, I I left a couple of times. So I had to go do other things, and I also just wanted to walk so I can get some just energy. Get your, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, for sure. But um, I do love this movie. I don't know. Would you say this is where would you put this amongst like? the other John Carpenter movies that you've seen. Cause like, I was expecting like this to be my favorite, but I don't think it is. I still really like it though. I, I like the vibes of it. Um, it's, it's hard because it's like, I really enjoy Halloween. I really, I mean, listen, like if you ask me like my, my top three would be, they live the thing and, um, big trouble, little China. I, that's a, that's a genuinely, solid list genuinely solid. and i'm i'm sure you know you knowing me that doesn't that probably would not surprise you no <laughs> at all. i don't know and then halloween would kind of be like four it, it's kind of it's like it's funny because there's like people with like rankings for like certain things are like oh this is like the greatest movie i've ever seen seventh place <laughs> <laughs> and i think john carpenter has one of those filmographies honestly mm-hmm. escape from new york is a classic i love it uh it's not my, but it's also not my favorite John Carpenter movie. No, uh, you know, but it's got a lot of stuff I love. I love the cinematography, sets, I love the music, the mood, the characters. Yes. Um. Oh yeah. I love. I love that at the end of the movie. Like, even though Kurt Russell does save the president, like he also learns like the president's piece of shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, I'm not gonna fuck that. <laughs> Why? Why would I help you? Why, like, listen, I did my part. You guys got the bomb out, but fuck you. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So, hell yeah. Yes. <sighs> well, uh, now we are going to escape from New York into our intermission. We're into our intermission, and uh, do you have your uh, do you have your coat and uh, all your winter essentials? Because we're going somewhere really cold. Listen, I got my flame. I'm packing my flamethrower, dude. Good. As long as you got the flamethrower, but I'm starting to be skeptical if you are actually Joey or not. Let's do a blood test. Stay tuned.
and we're back. <laughs> I want to come back inside. No. I, I just shut the thing. <laughs> I'm fine, McCready, okay? Whatever was wrong with me is gone now. Can I come in? <laughs> I'm cold, man. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I always wanted him to do it like more playfully, like, no. No. <laughs> that's like a very sassy uh th- that's the yassified the thing. <laughs> the yassify the gasification of McCready. No. <laughs> Not doing it. And and it's, that's why. <laughs> and no, and then Childs is the is the real protagonist in that Child's version. The real protagonist. <laughs> As he should be. He gets, ch- oh, dude. I went down a whole rabbit hole watching a bunch of things about the thing, and I'm like, <laughs> Childs just gets fucked at every turn, dude. Man, yeah, I was chan- I was sort of channeling uh, that Kristen Wiig SNL character. <laughs> I don't know if you remember um, Gilly. Does that sound familiar to anyone? That it's vaguely, yeah. Like a like a little school student that would just be mischievous, and like the teach all the teachers would be like, "Gilly, what? Gilly, uh huh. <laughs> Gilly, did you do this? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's my version of of McCready. It's just, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> McCready, is is your blood uh, is is your blood normal? Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what's your short source? Trust me, bro. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> or if or if uh, if it was like if it was like the older generation, you know, Facebook or Twitter. That's where I get all my information. It's all uh, it's all real. Some you know some guy on my Facebook uh, shared that McCready is not the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, he's not okay. Facebook told me. Um. Anyway, welcome back to our show. Two minutes later, everybody. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> no, you're no, not. no. I'm not. I'm not at all. Um. So we talked about Escape from New York in our last half. And we're continuing this John Carpenter train with probably, an, like, if I had to, I, I, again, I love Halloween, but if I had to say what my favorite of his horror movies are, it might be this, but I think it switches between Halloween and this sometimes, because I do love both. But um, uh, this one, this, this one, I feel like I get a little bit more out of from a certain standpoint, um, and it's just, there's just... There's there's some iconic stuff that happens in this movie. <laughs> you know, it's one of those it's one of those things where I mean, both both Halloween and the thing we're talking about John the thing the thing specifically John Carpenter's the thing because there's a bunch of them a bunch of things and <laughs> so many uh, things. Ben Grimm uh, <laughs> it again? it's Marvel, Marvel again whoa <laughs> ah <laughs> Swamp Thing. DC! <laughs> ah! D- no! DC! Meaning doesn't count! Okay, good. Alright, we can work with that. Anyway, no. Um, <laughs> it, it, it Swamp Thing's cool because it's made by Wes Craven, so it doesn't count. Ooh. Yeah! And it's got um, Adrian Barbo in it! <laughs> yeah! Oh. <laughs> 
It's got Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks. Woo! <laughs> Count that as like the fifth time I've hurt people with earphones listening to this. <laughs> Chris Olivier, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Um, Sorry. No, wait, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> he really isn't. Um, <laughs> but the thing, like, the thing, like, Halloween, I feel like, is such, like, a parodied movie at this point, and because, like, that genre, like, the slasher is so, like... It, it, Prolific. The, chil- the, yeah, pro- the children of Halloween are so many that when you watch Halloween, like, as much as I really enjoy it and still think there's a lot of creepy things in it, I do yeah. giggle at a lot of it, too. Yeah, where it's no. Just like, bang! <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, I like when he just stands there after he stabs the one, the one like boyfriend and then just tilts his head and it's just like, huh. Like he's just like going, huh, that's what that's like. <laughs> yes. Uh, whereas this movie, I feel like it's, it's harder to quantify and make, I think it's harder to make fun of because it's so, it's still so like scary. Chilling. Like it's, it's still chilling. Like it's got like yeah. the mood, but also like. The immediately pop out, like we were talking to like Tina, like the pop out, like scary moments are mm-hmm. still fucking scary in this movie. Oh yeah, and that's a testament to something that's over over forty years old, and it's still like a chilling experience. And I think I think it helps too, because like this movie exists firmly in like a genre of horror that is either not as ex- not all that much explored, and in some respects, you could argue maybe it's harder to explore than say like a slasher movie. Or anything like that. And that's like cosmic horror or like Lovecraftian horror. Right. And it's called Lovecraftian because like H.P. Lovecraft was sort of like, is considered like the father of of it. But, you know, cosmic horror just makes sense. Because, I mean, that type of horror, we've sort of tackled uh, that a couple of times. Like uh, we talked about Lovecraft Country in an episode. Um, Alien is sort of in that ballpark as well. Um, but the the whole like kind of backbone of cosmic horror is the fear of the unknown, is the idea of being confronted with something that you can't explain or describe, and you're just filled with absolute existential dread, mm-hmm. you know. And so, to depict that, it almost is difficult. Like I think of um, movies where they almost intentionally don't show you the monster. And you just see the reaction that people have that that kind of fits in that ballpark a little bit. Um, and sometimes that could work or not work. Because, like, again, movies are such a visual medium that it's hard to do, like, like oh, talk about the monster a bunch of times but never actually show anything. And then it's just, like, you don't feel like there's any kind of payoff and people could hate it or something. Um, so, like, it is it is effectively hard to do it, to, to do that kind of genre on film in many respects, but I think the thing, um, amongst maybe a handful, like, there's not even, like, I can't even, I can probably, probably name five off the top of my head, like, cosmic, quote-unquote, horror movies, like, uh, Annihilation is one, uh, Alien again, um, there was a movie that came out not that long ago called The Void, which is kind of in that ballpark, which I've never seen, but I've heard is really good, um, again it's it's hard but like it's again it's it's all based around this idea of the fear of the unknown and you know being confronted with something that just fills you with dread so like this movie um feels in many respects like the alt it, it kind of, it's kind of like um 
when people consider uh, Edgar Allan Poe the father of like the modern detective story, then you have all these filmmakers years later like changing what that means and and revitalizing it and making like a, like like a modern version of it. Like in many respects, this feels like J- John Carpenter like saw that that whole genre and went, okay, this is the new definition of it. Mm. And so while I while obviously H.P. Lovecraft is still often uh, referenced when people talk about that type of genre. Bloodborne, video game. That's a cosmic horror. Sorry, okay. I just thought of it. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> um, shout out to Mike, because I know he's a big uh, Bloodborne fan from what we've talked about. Yes. Um, and it's a great game. But uh, I feel like John Carpenter really sort of is the, the, the next name that I would think of when I think of that kind of genre. Because... You know, this whole movie, you have these characters that are effectively going crazy. And, you know, you could chalk it up to Cabin Fever being somewhat of a, an example of that, but they can't trust each other. Uh, there's this, like, even, even like, when they show the monster itself, like, the thing, you know, like, there's that, because, there, again, like, when it comes to a lot of the, like, figures of cosmic horror, like, they don't really have a specific thing to describe how they look they're most of them are like amorphous blobs with eyes and tentacles and in a way like we never know what the thing actually looks like we just know it's it's an amorphous blob with tentacles and eyeballs periodically yes right and so uh like anytime because like i always i always think like how like how cool would it be if that type of type of horror movie was more uh put out there but again, it's something that's just so hard to capture, and I think John Carpenter is one of the few people that actually knocked it out of the park. And I think he's ta- he's think he's tackled that type of horror movie a couple of times, mm. if I remember correctly. I mean, but I also think about this too. You mentioned cosmic horror. I also think because the eighties were like you think about like body horror. Mm. Uh, you think about this American Werewolf in London, uh, The Fly. Where like the practical effects, makeup, and and yeah. techniques are off the t- Rob Bottin, like Stan Winston also worked on this too because Rob Bottin was basically working overtime on yeah. this on this movie, um, and it's the work definitely pays off and the way they're able to, to shoot it and it just like it is still unsettling. Like I think about um, I think for me what the, the most terrifying sequences is when they're like tied up and then Palmer. Without anybody expecting it, Palmer turns out to be infected. So he's mm-hmm. like, you see his face, and it's so gross. <laughs> and it just like splits, and like it's oozing and stuff. I like that, and I also like when um, uh, I forget the guy's name, but like when the doctor's about to like defibrillate him, and then out of nowhere, his tummy just oh, opens up, and then yes. eats his arms. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like any like. Uh, the, the 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 visual of like tendrils like whipping oh that's is always, yeah. is so disturbing um or when the uh obviously the uh, the first scene when the dog when the wolf goes into the the kennel and then like its face opens up and its skull flops down and it's just a tongue <laughs> you're like <laughs> but I, I also want to give a shout out um to a very specific actor in this movie Jed uh Jed. the dog because yes. this dog lived a long life. I was I was watching as uh, watching a lot of stuff about the thing over the last twenty four hours. Mm. Jed the dog, and it was really pre- appreciate is an incredible actor because it doesn't 
really react all that much. Like, and apparently from onset stories, it wasn't the type of dog who like wagged its tail when it was it knew it was doing something good or like no, it was very it was like it knew it's a it monotone dog. <laughs> a very mono but it works perfectly for it because you sense something is wrong with this situation and uh gotta but also this is uh definitely in the pantheon of movies where i would not be able to show this to allison because uh what happens to dogs but also because there are spite like spider looking legs that split out like like a head and the dog turn arachnid sort of yeah it's <laughs> yeah it, it's it's not oh man it's it's still like it's i still get the goosebumps just even thinking about it um mm-hmm. But I also want to like talk about this real quick because this is actually ba- this is a remake, um, mm-hmm. and an ad- adaptation. There's a there's a short like, it was like a novella called uh, Who Goes There, and uh, this was written in the 30s. I didn't realize how old this was, which is pretty wild. Um, and obviously, it was then it was made into a uh, Howard Hawks produced movie called uh, The Thing from Another World, which mm-hmm. is one of John Carpenter's favorite movies, and was which one it of the show reasons. it showed in Halloween actually yes yeah mm-hmm. yep and um what was one of the other interesting things about that movie though because we talk about like how horror sometimes gets disrespected yeah um one of the things people talked about was uh they, i was actually watching the tcm intro that john Car- uh john not carradine john carpenter did with robert osborne talking about this movie carradine very different don't say, don't say very different john <laughs> very very different guy but like they were talking about how like Howard Hawks, who produced the original thing, was a legendary director, and people speculate that he p- probably w- was the one who actually directed it. But because horror had such a horror science fiction has such a like almost taboo quality for like a mainstream you know, for for a big director, it's kind of like okay, we'll just leave it as produced. Though though there's still some conflict, there was conflicting reports. Some actors said Howard Hawks. Did a lot of it. Others said Christian. I think Christian Navy was the credit director who was also mm. an editor for Hawks. But going back to that, like, you know, and that's a great movie for different reasons. But both of these movies is about para, is about paranoia. Yeah. Being paranoid. And both movies take place during, not take place, but like both movies were made during like the Cold War at different points. Yeah. You know, so, and one of the things I was watching another video, Cold Crash Films did a great video about, the, about ranking all the thing adaptations and they talked about how, like, <laughs> McCready's thing is, like, mutually assured destruction. Versus, like, <laughs> if, if I go, we go. Like, he has, like, the, di- the stick of dynamite in his hand. And it's just mm. like, oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, because we're, we're told that from the beginning of the movie is that that's his sort of method. Because, like, he's playing chess. And he loses the chess game. And his, his initial reaction is, I'm just going to destroy the computer. <laughs> Voiced by uh, Adrian Barbo. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> and he called her a cheating bitch. So so rude. Um, very very rude. But uh, but no, like I always I always like that that sort of introduction to that character. It's just he's just playing chess and then he loses it drinking the <laughs> drinking the computer. Cheating bitch. <laughs> just walks away. That all this shit happens moments later. He's like, let's just burn the whole thing down. <laughs> And it's just him and child just sitting there, and it's like, oh, <laughs> what's gonna happen? I was because I was I I I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and so I was thinking like, you know, are either of them the thing now? 
And I guess John Carpenter, from I was just just um, like a small Google session, um, John Carpenter, I thought was going to do us like he wanted to do a follow up or was thinking about doing a follow up that was going to have both uh, Keith David and Kurt Russell, and not, so neither of them were going to be the thing. So that would have like confirmed it. But I also I, I almost kind of like that it was just like it just ends like that because like what else are you going to do? Me too. Um, and there are a lot of like theories. And like weird things because I was listening to somebody else talk about like how Dean Cundy with with the lighting choices, with like it goes like the light like lighting choices where it's like if you see like a little light in their eyes they're fine, but if they don't have but they don't have that uh, they're 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 infected, and apparently somebody said that if you look at Keith David's at the end he doesn't have he doesn't have that in his eyes, but I would. But I would just rather not think about that and just think, what if they were both human and they had to both sit there and just die? Yeah. Like, full-on Jack Torrance death. Just sit there and freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, this movie is, like, you were, you were going, like, back and forth, like, which horror, like, Halloween. For me, this is, like, this is it. This yeah. is, this is like, the ulti- like, the ultimate John Carpenter, um, John Carpenter horror movie. It looks... Uh, it looks amazing and helps like Antarctica, like the, the location is such a remote isolating kind of, uh, kind of place. Yeah. It, it's, I, it was, I think cause I was looking at my review, um, on letterbox and I was like, here's another movie that makes me think about COVID. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause the isolation part, <laughs> yeah. cause it's, cause it literally is, um, this movie where it's not just that they're, isolated in their their research area they're just isolated from the world and mm-hmm. from the beginning of the movie we're told because windows is doing the trying to like contact people and he can't get anybody and uh you know people i like that everyone just kept bothering him he's like i've been trying damn it <laughs> i am doing my best he's also in the warriors you were telling me about that yeah. So I want. Is he like angry there too? Is he like I'm trying my best, guys? <laughs> he's doing his best. Uh, he <laughs> he's all. doing his best. That's all. It's he, she, man. He when he dies, that that kind of that that wouldn't just really sucked. I thought because yeah, I mean all when all because pretty much all of them but Childs and McCready die or supposedly, um, and so it kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> but like, he's, he's just like, you know, his head's just chomped and then immediately he's infected and he starts going, Roar! yeah, and it's like, damn. Um, but, uh, when we were talking about the dog, I was also thinking about just to throw this out there. I love, I think I love the moment, um, just before like a lot of the stuff starts happening when the dog's going through the hallway and you hear superstition playing and I'm like. What a what a perfect song <laughs> to pick for this movie, <laughs> like because that's what it is. Because we're all sussy. It's 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 among us, as the Gen Zers would say. Yeah, it's among us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, hold on, stop. We gotta we gotta talk about who the thing is. <laughs> no, it was you. I saw you do it. You munched on that guy. So to, to that's an, a, to another way to get. The younger audience into a movie. If you love Among Us, watch the thing. It's literally Among Us the movie. But what's also crazy about this movie is that it's like alien, but on land. Land, land, landian, landian, and it's an alien is Jaws in space. 
So it's all just like it all feeds each other, but we get something. All three of them are like great movies mm-hmm. in their own right with great scores. Um, speaking of which, Ennio Morricone returns on our show to do a John Carpenter esque score. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's important to note this was John Carpenter's first major studio film. Yeah, this was like he was. This was not something. This was not just something he did like independently. This was by by Universal. Um, so he had money to work with. So he could say, "Hey, I'll let somebody else do this." Um, and so there, there they had the score. Apparently, this won the Razzie for worst score, or at least was nominated for the Razzie. But then, what's what's even better, funnier, is that another movie about isolation, starring Kurt Russell, uh, The Hateful Eight, <laughs> Tarantino, <laughs> yeah, Ennio Morricone uses some of that music, yeah, and it wins an Oscar. <sighs> the world is weird. Not in the good way. It's it's very. I mean, I'm glad he won an Oscar. But it's like, like, why I, couldn't you have done it sooner? <laughs> Come on! But it, but it, but it's also really cool. To, it is an interesting score too, because when you think of Marconi, you think of like just a wild, bombastic, over the top, yeah, like the spaghetti western scores. But this this one is is yeah is more of a John Carpenter. It's a little more subdued, and it's there's more dread to it. Dun, dun, yes, that's dun, the perfect dun, perfect word dun, for it. Dun. Um, like I think of like it, it. Sorry, I think of the I think of the moment when McCready and, and the one doctor are at the the Norwegians camp and they see the big like ice trench or whatever, and the music just like winds up like it's more whining and it's more like that's that that like i love that moment where it's just like it feels like oh shit <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh no <laughs> yeah but even like again um the times where there's no music playing i think as much as i do love the music i there are there are so many moments in this movie where there's no music that i think creates as much dread as, as anything's so, like the scene when they're when they're testing the blood oh you know, we we talked a little bit about that um, with the one surprise character that turned out to be a thing, um, but like literally, it's just they're all tied up, and you know, McCready's just dragging the hot the hot wire onto the blood, and you just hear, "All right, you're fine," <laughs> and then everyone's like, "Come on, this is bullshit." Untie. This is not going to prove anything. And then finally, you know, he does it again, and then <laughs> like it just like a like a jack in the box pops out of the you, the petri dish. Do you want to hear something really funny? Yes. So I have the Screen Factory Blu-ray of this, which is one of my favorite discs mm-hmm. that I own. Uh, but I guess I've mostly just listened to the five point one track. I was listening to the four point one track on this, mm-hmm. and it was really the first time I noticed this. Where on my, uh, and I think I've had, like, this was an error that apparently Scream, the Chow Factory corrected for most discs. Okay. But my, but like the moment where he, like, the screech happens and then it happens again on mine. Oh. Okay. That's interesting. I did contact Scream to see if I could get a replacement disc. I mean, I could always just listen to 5.1, but, uh, you know, it's it was just funny to me because it was one of the things I never. I never like I guess never listened to the four point one. That's kind of like uh, that's kind of like I remember when I was younger, and I got uh, the DVD for Batman eighty nine, and there's a whole scene when Kim Basinger is like trying to distract the Joker, 
so that Batman can come and like clock him in the face. So she starts like kissing his arm. And then on the on the initial DVD, you see it happen twice, like like because there's two separate shots of her doing it. One of one where she's um, kissing his arm, almost three maybe, and she's kissing his arm. And then at one point there's like lint or something. And then another time she goes like Mr. Joker. But the part that repeats is when she says Mr. Joker. But the one time there's no audio, and so for the longest oh. so for the longest time I was like. Was that always in the movie? And I just never noticed. Like, no, it was, my DVD was just bad. It's really, it's interesting. So I'm like, wow, that's so strange that they would have caught that when they were making the movie. But like, no, <laughs> it's the DVD was. I never clocked that. The DVD was the problem. But that is interesting. Um, so it was like, so you're saying it popped up, the screech happens, but then like immediately after it happens again? No, no, no. So like. Okay, so like he's about to do it on the cre- like he's talking and you hear the screech happen. He does the test and then the screech oh, happens. Oh, oh, so it's a sp- like it spoils it's- you. It does. That's rude. Mike and I were Mike's like Mike's like hold up. What's what is this? <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> I was watching it with Mike. Mike is like wait a minute. Uh, so Swamp. so yeah, uh, I I emailed um, shout to see if they can do you know, but like worst case scenario, I'll get a new um, new disc because that that disc isn't too pricey these days i, I um, will say the 4k is very good but i i, I, I actually o- i also did order the 4k actually um because it was a, it was a decent price and i'm like yeah you know what like i'll still keep the the screen factory blu-ray yeah. but the um you know it's one of those things where i don't mind i don't mind double because it is a favorite of mine I, you know it's, a, it's <laughs> like a universal monsters uh, kind of situation where i have so many it's not like so many copies it's not like when universal releases newer movies and then decides months later oh let's do a 4k of this oh <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna release uh megan and cocaine bear and black phone we're gonna do blu-rays which is fine and then it's like people that collect 4ks buy those and it's like okay and then it's like Oh, 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 guess what? We got 4Ks now. Excuse me? Richard is um, Excuse me? Not, he's not very happy about that. Universal, listen to me. I love that you're making weird movies right now. I love that you're being a little bit more risky with some of the stuff you've been putting out. I appreciate it. Though you do have some of your franchises, Minions and Fast and Furious, whatever, but you're going like, let's make a movie about a bear that snorts coke. It's fun. But you know what? Release all of your things that you're going to release at the same time. I know you want your digital first and you want that crowd first, but if you're doing the physical, just do it all at once. Come on. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Back to this Universal no, it's, movie it's, we're it, talking about. <laughs> it's uh, it's okay. Um, but yeah, this um, this this so it's a weird weird thing I noticed with with the with the sound on my on my end. Um, but yeah, I mean, but also we got to talk about like Wilford Brimley is in this movie. Diabetes. Who was seventy five for most of his life? Seventy five for most <laughs> of his life. Who was seventy five for most of his life? Um, and like what's also cra- what crazy too is that he and Morricone passed both post away passed away in twenty twenty. Oh, they did. Oh, no, they did. That's right. I remember that. Now that you bring that up, that's sad. But you know we have we have this movie to remember them. Yes, but also for a generation, Wilford Brimley was the diabetes guy. Diabetes. I I, I don't know why, but now I think because probably because the new generation stuff. But like, 
I don't immediately think of Wilford Brimley when I think of diabetes because I remember like years later someone made a video of a cat that looked like Wilford Brimley and then it moved its mouth oh. a little and, was, and so they just put the the audio so it's a cat's face that looks like Wilford Brimley going diabetes. <laughs> Wilford Brimley would be one of those people. It's like the Ron Perlman cat. It's like I, I, I believe that there is a cat that looks like Wilford Brimley. <laughs> I can see it, hundred uh, uh, percent. But of course, but of course, Keith. Obviously, Kurt Russell's in, in Kurt Russell as McCready. He's good, but Keith David, Keith David, like, another as, as another Childs. another uh, John Carpenter. I believe he's worked with him a couple of times. John Carpenter regular. He's in They Live too. Well, I mean, they yeah yeah. Oh yeah, and he's that iconic fight scene. <laughs> it just keeps going. So good. Richard's like, "Where's the pacing?" <laughs> well, no, that one, that the pacing on that was fine. <laughs> that one's good. That cuz I'm like, it's still going. Holy shit. And they're like beaten and bloody and I'm like, "Oh my god. This is like like imagine the like the hallway scenes from like everything because of old boy or like every fight scene in John Wick. <laughs> but it's Roddy Piper and Keith David. They just don't know when to stop. Endurance, man. Endurance. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. Uh, Childs, yes, Childs. I mean, like again, like so. I feel bad because, like, looking at a lot of the adaptations, it's like okay, like Childs usually dies or become like other edit, like things that are like um like are continuations of the thing where it's like it's the video games or like other media right. comic like a bunch of comic books it's like he's infected or whatever and i'm just like he's one of those guys where i'm like i don't believe that for a second this dude <laughs> is, is is too cool he's too badass it's hard to see keith david in that way it because yeah, like it you know we grew up when you grew up with keith david uh as a voice actor and so many great things um and you grew up with him in so many movies um I also love that that one clip of him is passed around the internet where it's just like, it, I don't know what it's from. It's like, welcome to hell, motherfucker! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> but, um, but no, he's also just an iconic figure in the horror genre in general. Yeah. With all the amazing stuff that he's done. And so seeing, seeing him here... Is like it's it's hard to imagine him having been like everyone else. I'm like, yeah, he would have gotten infected. Yeah, he would have gotten infected. But it's it's it feels so correct, I guess you could say, to have Kurt uh, Kurt Russell and Keith David at the very end. Like, okay, what do we do now? Let's just sit and find out. All right. Yep. <laughs> like, if there's anyone that would have survived that whole thing, I think it's those two are the most believable for me. Is it, yeah, sure. No, for sure. Yeah, it's a, a move again uh, to talk about it. This movie bombed mm -hmm. when it came out. Like it, it barely, it barely recouped its budget. Um, like it was, a, it was like a, I think once international markets came in, it made almost twenty million dollars on like a fifteen million dollar budget. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember, nineteen eighty two was an insane year, which included E. T. and among other things, you know, well. and so many like like was it Siskel and Ebert called like they were like like. Eber called like a barf bag movie, because uh, it's yeah, you know, <laughs> it's gross. It, it, it's it's it, it's pretty gross. It's gross. There's the probably the grossest thing or one of the grossest things that happens in the movie is the bit when the head's coming off. Oh, and, yeah. and he just and it comes off, and then you see like green t 
uh, muscle and tendons, and then like a little bubble of yellow pops out, and you're like, <laughs> stop that! It's so gross. I almost, I almost would like to say too, like the bit when the one, like the initial, like leader of the group has like fingers in his cheeks. Oh, no, I think Norris Nor- is, his, is his name, like, uh, who apparently Lee Van Cleef was in the running to potentially play that character at one point. So Lee Van Cleef could have had fingers in his cheeks. He could have, yeah. And just, it looks like just elastic, like a rubber band's being pulled and he gets dragged away by his face and you're like, Ugh. It's not, not pleasant at all. <laughs> but it is, it is so crazy, like, like any movie that we consider a classic these days, it is just wild to watch this. There's aspects of it where you're like, yeah, I can see people maybe being somewhat turned off by it, but at the same time, it's just so hard to like, you know, watch this and people hating it, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's it, it, like, there's no question that, you know, like, if people have a weak stomach, they probably couldn't watch it. I get that. Um, or if someone just, you know, isn't, again, not a horror fan, which is fine. Just reiterate that. Uh, hi, Tina. <laughs> hi, Tina. Hi, Mom. Um, but, uh, if it, like, I can understand, like, maybe some people not liking it, but it, it's so, it's just so wonderfully made and so effective and so well put together and everyone's great in it and it's just it's one of those things that it's so hard to think that this movie like failed but it did it did yeah yeah uh it's and that that's that's but i am glad that you know it is the kind like i'm glad that john carpenter is still alive and that the reappraisal for this movie has been hard like it's one of those movies where if you had bad things to say about this movie uh it's like oh boy (laughs) Like you just start off like this isn't gonna last. It's 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 like when Ben Shapiro's like Barbie's not gonna make any money. It's like oh really? <laughs> and you and you look that stupid. Like imagine imagine being Ben Shapiro stupid. That's worse than just normal stupid. <laughs> it's that's so bad. <laughs> Oof. But yeah, it's 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 insane. And then it you know it got reappraised, and then it got like a prequel. With uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which I've still not seen. Yeah, and that that has an interest an interesting production history on its own. That's what I've heard. Well, yeah, you know. well, because obviously one of the the fam- most famous thing I think about it is that they had practical effects uh, for much of it, but then it was replaced oh. at the eleventh hour with like like CGI and apparently like all this cr- cr- shenanigans with this movie. But it's also weird too because the the Swedes, excuse me, Norwegians, Norwegians, Joey, Norwegians. So, oh, please, yeah, you know, <laughs> not like that joke hasn't been made a million times. Hey. Um, so we have to have like Americans with the Norwegians because we can't have we can't just do that. With yeah. the movie, you know, well, why would you want to watch that? Of course, yeah. Why? Well, who wants? To, who who do I do? <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> The decision making of people is always interesting. It it always is. Um, it's not it's but, not always good, but it's always interesting. And it's also weird too because it is it is a prequel, but it's just the same name. It's just it's the, the thing. thing. <laughs> it's like okay, all right. It's like I I was always so confused about it too when it came out because everyone was like, oh, it's a sequel to the thing, or like because I was like I wasn't sure if it was a remake of a remake of the thing. Or if it was a sequel, or if it was a prequel. So like, then after a while, I just didn't think about it. And so I, so someone brought it up, and I was like, "Is it a prequel?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Okay, 
because I've been curious this whole time, but I just never bothered looking into it. Right, right. But I still haven't seen it. I, I admittedly, I like same with like the sequel to Escape from New York. I still have never seen Escape to L.A. I'd be curious to watch same. it. Same. Um, maybe you know what? Maybe we'll do a follow up where we talk about the prequel to the thing, <laughs> and we talk about Escape from L.A. Only one of them is actually a John Carpenter film. Um, but we'll do it. Maybe not. Probably not. But. Right. Yeah. We'll see. Um, we've done, we've done wilder things. The pest. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and master of disguise. And, like, wow. <laughs> Master's disguise. But we all know master of disguise is, is certified Kino. So. <laughs> Especially when Dana Carvey's in a brown face. Or oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally not problematic at all. No, totally. No, 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 no. It's all fine. It's acceptable. We're two dudes. Of course it's acceptable. <laughs> you know, and if you don't, you're just definitely not turtle enough for the turtle club. That's just, that's, don't make the rules. <laughs> the tangents we've gone on in this episode, it's it's my fault. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'd rather be talking about Master Disguise than the state of superhero movies. <laughs> I like I like that you didn't disagree. So you you knew it was true. <laughs> I, it, it's like listen, it's all right. But both of these movies, they they feel like you know, because again, like Halloween is like the super uber like John, gigantic John Carpenter, John Carpenter. Like it's almost bigger than him. Yeah. Whereas these are like certifiably these are. I mean, the, the, Halloween certainly John Carpenter, but this is like really like you know them first and foremost as John Carpenter movies i mean it even says like john carpenter's escape from new york or john carpenter's the thing when it starts yes so you know for a fact these are his movies and um it's crazy because like it it's wild to watch these and to think about how it took so long to actually like dive into his into his work it's like yeah you know because I, I i am a big horror fan but it's like there's still so many people like it was crazy like not that long ago like i finally sat and watched a bunch of george romero's movies that i'd never seen and mm. i still haven't finished his his zombies uh his dead series yet though but i love like dawn of the dead day of the dead fantastic movies um and so it was just crazy with john carpenter but i but again i want to give a shout no pun intended a shout out to shout factory because they, I feel like if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have been able to explore the film, the, the, the work of a lot of filmmakers that I love as much because they're actually like putting the effort and putting a lot of these movies on disc. So like a lot, like a lot of John Carpenter movies I own are from Shout Factory, including Halloween. I think, I'm trying to think. I think all of the ones I own are from, are from Screen, are Screen Factory. There you go. Like, the thing, they live... Halloween, of course, um, Starman, uh, Escape from New York, you know, it's like the only, the only one I own that's not is, uh, is the thing. Cause I have the universal 4k of that. Right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but no, and then like same, same for like, uh, for a lot of the Wes Craven movies that I got. Um, well, no, actually uh, that was also, I got to give credit to shout and arrow and a couple other places as well but like yeah but the fact that all these movies are getting like re-released so that people can check them out it's it's always exciting when that happens and so i'm glad that uh labels like that exist to like 
keep the legacy of these people alive and uh, out there and available for people if they'd like to explore it. And I think on another note too, I think horror is like one of the big like mainstays of like physical media mm-hmm. in general. Um, cause you know, a lot of horror fans, they like to own, like to own their favorites, their favorite directors. There's so many like great, I mean, I was talking about the, other than the weird audio thing, like that shout, that screen factory disc is freaking loaded mm. with so many amazing, like featurettes, interviews, commentary tracks. Uh, it's got the TV version on there as well. That's that cool. You can watch. Uh, I always like when like you can get multiple, like on the Halloween 4k. Uh, you can also, you can watch the original, you can watch the Halloween, you can watch the original Blu-ray color timing of Halloween, you can watch the TV version of Halloween. It's like, it's like, do you want more? It's like the Homer Simpson, like, being stuffed with donuts <laughs> in hell. <laughs> it's like, donuts. Yes. <laughs> I'll take all the donuts, thank you very much. All, all of them, yes. Uh... But I'm, I'm I'm really glad that we finally got to talk about John Carpenter because he is somebody I've wanted to talk about on here for a very long time. Uh, I know I at least have another pairing in mind at some point of two of his movies, um, and I'd like to get to at some point. But we'll see we'll see what happens. But I know down the road we will talk about Halloween because yeah. it's like it it's it's a necessity, but it's it's a it's one that we've uh, we've delayed for a little bit but not for very long it's just you know we've been doing the show for for over three years now and we always planned the halloween episodes out in a specific way and so to and also just figuring out what to pair halloween with took a second and so we were like we gotta we gotta narrow that down and so we got to a point but now we already have this halloween planned with uh, some really great episodes uh, honoring some other classics and um, me getting to show Joey uh, a big chunk of myself. <laughs> yes. Uh, with uh, especially, um, uh, I think, the first one of the two big episodes. But I don't remember. You'll find out when it comes out. Um, yeah. It like Spoiler alert for October, it's basically like franchise month. Yeah. It's it's a bunch of things in like different franchises that are you know. But it's but it's it's fun though. It's good stuff. It it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely had a lot of like ha- we've only done half the episodes for October's at this point. But yeah. the half that we've done have been pretty fun, and I'm very excited. Uh, I'm definitely very excited to get to working on the first one. And uh, and Richard. and I'm glad. I'm glad that those are recorded. <laughs> Yes, that's very important. That's very important. Because, like, the other two episodes are pretty easy, you know, we outside of, I think the last episode, which is going to be a surprise, I don't want to say a word about that one. Uh, no, no. <laughs> but uh, that one will probably take a little bit of time, because I do want to watch both of those with you, because we haven't really had a second to watch both movies for a lot of episodes recently. But um, yeah. uh, I'm excited to get to that one, um, but... Uh, then the other episode, you know, they're both movies that we're very familiar with, so we'll 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 be it'll be pretty easy to to get the, to get to those ones and break them down and have a good conversation. Uh, so it'll it'll be easy to get through. I'm just happy that especially those big ones we covered, but I just have to sit and listen to them. Yes, yes, folks. What's your favorite John Carpenter 
your favorite John Carpenter movie. I'm definitely very curious. I know for me it would be probably They Live. I, Richard, you would. I, I would say that probably too as well. You you would say you would you would say They Live. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, also, shout out to Wikey. Uh, I know he, he's a big John Carpenter fan. I mean, he's also just a big horror fan in general. So for the whole month of no, October, it, shout out to Wikey. True, true. But I know he's a, especially he's a huge Halloween he is. fan. He I is. He is a very you know, huge Halloween the, fan. You know. Um, and uh, I think it's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature. Check us out next week as uh, as we start our uh, fran- spooky franchise extravaganza. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Welcome to hell, <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Uh Uh-huh.